I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Explore and You podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm excited to share this conversation with you today. It started off as me wanting to interview someone about tips for RV travel. Last year, it became one of the main ways to travel And I really think it's going to continue to be a popular form of travel because we're still working on getting vaccinated and we're seeing new variants pop up. So I thought this would be a really valuable show. But the conversation that I had with my guest turned out to be just so much more. You'll definitely get the tips and suggestions in how to take your family on a RV vacation. But we also talk about how important traveling is to connect with other people and also to ourselves. So my guest today, Daryl Kelly, is an entrepreneur. He started several companies, the CEO and co-founder of Hectic, a company built to help support freelancers. He also owns a photography studio and he's a philanthropist. And I wanted to talk with him because he spent 10 weeks with his wife, his two kids that are six and nine, and their two dogs, and traveled on the west coast of the country. Now, unfortunately, their trip was cut short because of COVID and it just got too difficult. But he really had a lot of great insights to share around his travels in a motorhome. So this conversation will give you the tips and the advice for traveling with your family on an extended road trip, but it's also a really meaningful conversation. We talk about the power of travel and all the benefits from learning more about ourselves, learning more about other people's stories, and that magic of discovery and making memories. We talk about how the RV community can be more inclusive And I really just loved how Daryl showed up so honest and open, and he actually allowed me to do the same. So if you've been thinking about RV and motorhome travel, today's show will give you an inside glimpse on really what the experience is like from the community to the tactical planning aspects to how getting out there can really shape who you are. I think you'll find today's show helpful. So let's jump into this conversation. Daryl, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this for almost a month now that we've been talking. And yeah, going back it's and been forth. a while. Yeah. So I wanted to start off by asking you to share a little bit about yourself and what like led you to the decision to buy a motorhome and travel across the country with your family. Absolutely. So 
A little bit about myself. I've, that's always such a hard question. It's hard to talk about yourself in today's, today's it is. world. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit about myself. Um, I come from corporate America and I also have this freelancing independent creator spirit. So it's the best of both worlds, I'd say. And, you know, I worked really, really hard throughout my career, um, got to a very, a very high level of executive status with a variety of companies. Um, have sold a few companies in terms of acquisition, had good exits from there. And I got to this place where it was just one after another and after another, and it was just momentum. And it, it was all work. My life was all work. If I wasn't traveling somewhere around the world, I was at home working, just work, work, work. And it didn't create a lot of opportunities for me to connect with my kids, connect with my wife in a really meaningful way that I always envisioned for my life. You know, I was trying to make up for a lot of things that I didn't have in my past. You know, when I grew up, uh, we grew up really, really poor. I was actually homeless through most of middle school. And so a lot of my identity was wrapped up in work. And, you know, my highest highs were around work and my lowest lows were around work. And I really wanted to get that balance there, get it more in balance, I'd say. And so I made an extreme decision and I left corporate America on a whim. Basically, we had been talking about traveling. And to me, if I didn't make that decision, the extreme decision, we would have never done it. Um, so I was like, let's do it. So we'd been doing some planning since the beginning of the year, specifically with COVID. You know, had COVID not happened, and I, I know this is a weird concept, and if you've lost a loved one, I, I, I absolutely feel feel for you. If you are displaced uh, income-wise or if you're just in a weird mental space, I, I absolutely feel for you. My experience was a little bit different in COVID where it helped me realize and sit down for the first time. You know, come March, I wasn't on a plane for the, for the first time every other week, and that was odd. I was at home. And I wanted something different for my for my existence. And so that compression of being home, not being able to go anywhere, really pushed me to push me and my family to wanting to make an extreme difference. And so it was in that March, February that we started planning it. And my career at the time would have never allowed us to be able to do extended travel the way that we wanted to. And so we always knew that that would be a roadblock, that it would be a massive hurdle. One day. I was in a meeting and the seed had been planted for almost seven months now. And so about five months at that time. And I made a decision to uh, go pursue this, go pursue traveling, go pursue going in, doing independent creating again. And that's what I'm all in and I'm continuing to do right now. When you're talking about the pandemic and how it really has affected people differently, like the whole spectrum, right? There's been like from tragedy to, I think people really like coming back to themselves or just focusing on things that are a little bit more important to them that maybe they, they weren't able to. Um, so I totally, I totally understand that. I feel like it was such a huge, um, creative growth time for me. But then you kind of feel guilty saying that because you know it's affected so many people in such a tragic way. But it's just like a reminder that like there's light that comes out of darkness sometimes. And I think it's okay to like celebrate those things. But it sounds like you were able to really focus on what is that thing that's maybe missing, like that travel and spending time with your family. So it's wonderful that you had the opportunity to do that. So I 
found you on Instagram and I loved your feed. I loved your photography. Are you a professional photographer? Yes. So we have a studio here in Colorado. So I'm here at home for right now. Uh, we came back just because it got really difficult with kids. I think we'll, I think we'll probably, that'll probably come up. I'd imagine at some point in our conversation, it became really difficult to travel with kids during COVID playgrounds weren't open. You know, the little details that, you know, traveling with a six-year-old, what do you do with a six-year-old boy who just wants to go play in a play on a playground and, you know, take an easier trail, you know, so it, it became logistically became a little bit more challenging. And so we made the decision to come home for a few months and modify the plan a little bit and, you know, decide in a few months, you know, what it looks like um, and where we pick up and how we continue. When I think about the photography side of why I was this was so important to me is because I've been a uh, professional photographer for about nine years now, and the the entire concept about photography for me is about connecting people, and connecting people and bringing people, allowing stories to live through moments in time, allowing stories to live through an image, and so photography studio we have that we do you know big commercial shoots we do events we do weddings and so I wanted to take that and put a lot of energy into the production with photography on the road and make really like really big investments into some equipment that we we invested into to shoot and document the entire experience because we wanted it to be um I don't know really approachable in that sense like like really high quality moments uh, that didn't feel scripted or staged, but that felt like you could connect with really well. Um, that didn't have the distraction of your typical iPhone and things like that. So I took that approach from photography, photography studio to bringing it into my my travels, our travels, I should say. And yeah, your your imagery was beautiful, and your captions were really great. I got such a sense of how much you love your family, you love your kids. Um, just really great writing to accompany the, the photos. So glad to see that you were documenting your journey and we got to share in that a little bit with you. What was your route? Where were you guys able to explore? Yeah, so we only got to half of our route for this this last leg that we were on. So we did 10 weeks and we went through uh, Western Colorado into Utah, so uh, Eastern Utah, Southern Utah. Uh, then we continued to trek north in Utah through Idaho. We tipped into Montana just for a little bit, but then continued through Idaho into Oregon. And we went into Oregon from the east side. We went west into west of northwest, essentially to Portland area. Uh, camped, of course, along the way. And we went north to Seattle, Washington, Tacoma, uh, Peninsula, Olympic Peninsula area. We did the islands. Um, you know, we did a lot of the western and northwestern side of Washington and then made our way down the 101 all the way through California into Arizona and then New Mexico. So that was the 10 week leg that we just came off of. You saw quite a bit. So that was only half of your trip, though, that you had planned. Yeah. 
that was well and we did it really rushed because we knew look we're gonna have to do this a little bit differently or again being flexible because you'd arrive somewhere and then the showers were closed or the bathroom was closed or you know something happened that you know maybe took away from the experience that we wanted to have you know some of the resorts that we planned to go to there's a pool and so like we wanted to go to this really cool pool that was closed so we had to make a lot of modifications in that sense because of covid so this this leg we had a want to say 15 more cities that we were intended to do we weren't supposed to be back until springtime to colorado area and then go out east and then do the east leg so we had to make modifications for it um so what are the top three things that you would recommend people to consider before embarking on such a huge trip like this with your with their families Okay. So I have a few things in my head, but then there's also some things that are from experience that I'm like, Hey, don't do this. So I always like to be positive, but I will, I, you know, I will have one don't do this, uh, um, comment as well. Um, so I think number one is following and learning from families or similar individuals that have done, done something that's in the same ballpark or in the same idea of what you want to do. So we spent a lot of time hopping in on Instagram, going in on, um, uh, on Google and following travel bloggers, you know, trying to really truly understand others that have done this, right? What are the tips that they have? And, you know, we didn't just look at their picture. We read the details. You read the blog, you read the tips, right? Because I think we glorify the picture like, oh, that's an awesome image. Well, what's the story behind that image? And really, really good travel bloggers, travel families will tell you the story behind it. And so pay attention to that story. Be open to reaching out to someone and saying, hey, you know, what were your favorite tips from that space? You know, is there anything that you would, you know, you would do differently? You know, slide into the DM. I hate that term, but that's exactly what you do is, you know, send a message, introduce yourself, introduce what you're hoping to do. And 90% of the people that we reached out to replied to us and said, oh yeah, we'd love to tell you a little bit about, about this or do this. So follow and learn and connect from other families. And then the next step is research, research, research. So research the campsite you're going to make sure that it's the right size. Do you want hookups? Do you want a boondock? You know, don't show up and then don't know, especially if it's, you know, you in your plan, you're going to arrive late, just do the research. And then have have backup plans you know things aren't going to go as planned every single time we ended up at resorts that were closed that said that they weren't and you have to have a backup plan um the next piece goes back to learning from other families develop out a community whether that's through online forms or again reaching out to people on social media whether that be facebook or instagram or TikTok, whatever reach out to people and the people that you connect with the most build a little community there because you're gonna have hard times you're gonna have good times you want to you know you know hey michelle what happened there you know how did you navigate through this you know i'm having a really hard time with my daughter with this situation you know being able to develop that community of like-minded people is really really important and then the last thing that i have this is the i think don't do is don't be so rigid i i see i'm a perfectionist and so I want it to be rigid with the plan, you know, we'll do this. I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I should say that as well. I, I, I'm, I'm, a ho- I'm hopefully to be a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you get into the rigidity, right? And you go, okay, it's going to be this and then it's going to be this. And if you don't leave that room for flexibility, you're going to be so frustrated all of the time because when you travel, nothing goes according to plan. 
unless it goes according to plan. Like, I, I feel like it's two extremes. Yeah, that's probably the one guarantee is that it will most likely not go to plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it sounds like um, the RV or the the sort of nomadic travel communities probably really uh, helpful, really likes to help each other. And it sounds like a group that you can rely on overwhelmingly helpful like we got travel guides from places you know we we had this one gal who sent us details on yellowstone and she basically gave us her entire itinerary down to the wow. detail of like pack in pack out and so you know those types of things if you just ask people show up it's incredible yeah and those types of things are like gold i mean mm. that saves you so much time <laughs> and questioning and yeah that's that's awesome yeah yeah and so you did buy a motorhome right yeah you didn't rent one okay and so what would you tell people i mean that's a big purchase so what are the considerations that people need to think about before taking that big step so we did a tow behind before so this isn't our first adventure into 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 camping. I guess I'd say glamping or however you want to say it. Um, right. This is this wasn't our first uh, adventure into, and so we did a tow behind, and so we knew what we didn't want, and we didn't want to have to tow something, back it in, do the whole setup thing. We wanted to be able to drive in, drive out, and so one of our first considerations was, well, we're going to do this long time. And for a very significant amount of time, very extended period, we should go as big as possible. And we did some research on that and as big as possible actually limits you from being flexible and flexibility, being able to adventure and you know go from one site to another, that was a big piece of it. And so right. my recommendation is start with your motivations, right? Really write down a list and go, okay, what are we hoping to do? What are we hoping to accomplish? Where do we see ourselves before we even go into buying a motorhome or renting a motorhome? Figure out what you want to do, how you want to explore. Do you want to be in the mountains? Do you want to be by a resort? Do you want to be more by cities? Do you want to boondock? It's really important to understand what your priorities are for traveling before you make such a big purchase. And then once you know your priorities, go rent and see if that's the right way to do it. I mean, you know, most people aren't renting fifth wheels, but you know, if you if you can make the investment into renting, it's gonna be expensive, rent for a month or two. I'm a germaphobe, like, like OCD about germs, so we- Which is <laughs> good in this day and age. I know, but <laughs> it would have probably, we may have made a few different decisions had we rented. I'm very happy with the decision that we landed in, but it took us a while to get to that decision. We had to look at a lot more units. We had to go test drive a lot more units to, to arrive at that decision. Whereas if we would have rented, we would have had the experience for what we were looking for. And so write down your motivations, write down your intentions and be realistic with it. Because we had one idea in our head where room was the most important thing. Well, you start going down the checklist of, okay, if room is important, well, then what are you giving up to have that room? You're giving up flexibility. You're giving up being able to be deep in the woods very consistently. You know, there's a lot of things that you may give up from that. You know, you have to go, you know, go buy, buy a truck that can, you know, tow the capacity. You know, there's just a lot of things that go into it. So start with your list. How are you going to use it? And, and go from there and rent. Yeah, I like that idea of like baby stepping it, you know, rent maybe something small or and then graduating to something big or just going for the big thing before you make that commitment. Do the test run. That's probably really important. You talked about being flexible. So how did that work in terms of having a plan and like booking sites 
and then leaving that room for flexibility. How were you able to achieve that? So I have to thank my wife for this because she put a lot of effort into this. So we we had we had good team, good balance with that. So we started with, well, where do we want to go? And we we mapped out like larger states, larger parks, you know, kind of worked through that process. And then identified, okay, we you know, we we narrowed it in, okay, we're gonna go to Washington. Okay, great. Where are the five places in Washington that we would like to see? And you know, we booked a little bit later into the season, so we actually had less options than most people would have. And so, you know, if you start at the beginning of the year, you can, you know, go onto the National Park website, you know, you 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 have a lot more accessibility to to sites than you do booking and planning mid-year and so that was an advantage and a disadvantage because it made us look differently at the way that we were approaching our travel and so how this worked from a hybrid perspective is we knew that there were sites that we had to make that we wanted to book because you had to book them because they were they were filling up then there were other places where we knew we wanted to be and there was a lot of you know first come first serve and so we would have you know a few backup plans so a lot of a lot of Oregon when we did Oregon we had three options for where we would go and you know it's always it's always scary when you get you're arriving at 11 p.m. and you're at that third option you're like oh no this is the last one I'm not sure I hope they're not full <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But then there's always, you know, the cracker barrel or the wall, you know, so it's being flexible in that sense of having having a plan, but then having, you know, redundancy to that plan, having backups to it. And so do you have any recommendations when it comes to like the logistics and planning? It sounds like you learn to have the backup plans. Um, anything else? Are there, I guess, are there apps that really help you with planning and booking that you like? Yeah. So there's a go on a form, you know, whatever, whatever type of camping you want to do, go on a form, you'll find a lot of things. Ours, we actually did a non-traditional, you know, planning app. There's this app called Melanote that I really love because we not only planned, you know, our routes and locationally where we wanted to be, we kind of put like this mood board together, you know, and it's got a really cool shared space. Um, so what it is, you can set these boards up. And so, you know, we had like a camping board, you know, so like here's when we do camping, this is the idea that we want to do it. You know, we had a board for when we were shopping for the motor coach of, you know, here's what we're looking for. Here's what we want. And so, you know, it's just a great place to throw pictures into, you know, when I would go talk to a friend or, you know, go ask someone from a DM, we would put it into our ideas, thoughts and inspiration. And, you know, we just planned it all in there. And it's a really great tool because you can, you know, link tasks together. You can link um, um, projects together. And we built the entire, we have the budget in there as well. Oh, nice. So it's a really flexible space and it's your non-traditional space that you would see on forms. Usually this is a, an app that came from uh, the business side of the world for me. And then two, I know this sounds really, really trivial, but put your things on the calendar and a shared calendar together. So, you know, we're going to be uh, in Jackson Hole from this day to this day, just so it's there and you're not losing it. You know, we always put the reservation details redundantly, both in Millinote and the shared calendar, because we always ran into, you know, you don't have service here. So we made sure that there was something stored locally on the phone for the places that would be reservation details, site details, store it locally. It's a huge, huge hassle if you have to figure out a way to get connectivity, store it locally or print it, but have that local backup. Um, and then also when it comes to planning and logistics, 
ask, ask friends, right. That have done it before. Right. I got that. I got that itinerary from a friend. That's a big piece of it. And then just take out the little chunks that you like and the chunks that you don't like, and then put it into your planning app, whatever you're using. I love Melanote and it's, uh, M I L A N O T E.com. It's free. Um, it, you have to pay for it when you expand your boards out to a certain, uh, to a certain, um, uh, to a certain uh, space uh, criteria, but we didn't get that far. We contained it into the, the the boards that we have and a free app for you to have everything. It's got a mobile and a desktop app. Yeah, I'm going to link that in the, the show notes. That way people can check it out. Awesome. And then, so is there any gear that you just found really indispensable on your trip? Yes. Okay. So I was still doing a little bit of work. Um, you know, I, I'm a freelancer at heart, photographer at heart. And so there was this other company that I was building on the side. And so, you know, that was a part of this. And so I, I would go out into ham, go get a hammock and I'd go out and work and, you know, talk to, you know, some of my other founders of the, of the uh, company. And so access to power anywhere was really, really important. I know it may not be for everyone. And I went through a lot of different variations of how to do this without, you know, needing to be tethered to the rig or have a generator uh, constantly running if you're not on shore power. And I went through, uh, I want to say four or five different solar battery packs. I'm getting to the point now. Uh, It's solar battery pack. The one that I love, it's a 50 watt unit. It lasts, it was perfect throughout the day. So as long as you have sun and you rotate it around to make sure you're continuing to get the most amount of sun from it. It's called the Goal Zero Nomad. We got it at REI. It's a little bit heavier. It's eight pounds. So I wouldn't recommend it if you're a backpacker per se, but if you're casually, you know, going a few miles up a trail, or if you're just working out in the sun by the pole somewhere or by a lake or a river, this, this solar power unit was awesome. It lasted me for my laptop, for various calls and for my cell phone and anything else that you would need to charge. It's 50 watts, pretty strong. And then so this might be along those lines, but what did you find difficult about living the nomad lifestyle? Like were there unexpected struggles other than maybe not having like power, but it sounds like you found a solution to that. Yeah. So this was expected, but then unexpected how, how much it would impact us, but alone time. So me and my wife had zero alone time for 10 weeks, which is difficult for a relationship, right? We have two kids, two dogs, six of us and less than 320 square feet. Uh, you need, you need some alone time. So we tried to make the best of it and we'd say, okay, kids, you know, we did the kid dinner. We're going to do adult dinner by the fire tonight. You know, so we tried to you know, make the best of it. We had an idea originally when we were going to travel because we thought, yeah, COVID will, you know, it'll start to die down. We're like, oh, we can go on and we can do sitters or we can do an Airbnb for a weekend and go do a date night and then have a sitter come there. Of course, COVID happened. So none of those things worked out. So I think that was the most difficult piece of living the nomad lifestyle with a family is, is, is your marriage, right? Or your relationship. And so my recommendation there, have dinner by the fire, have drinks <laughs> by the fire, and it's okay to tell the kids, don't open that door. Right. <laughs> yes. Unless it's an emergency is- and something is on fire, this is mom and dad time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that sounds super important. And your kids are six and... Six and nine. Yeah. Olivia six is nine, nine and okay. Noah is six. 
Okay. And you had two dogs too. I actually don't think I knew that. Yeah, we have two dogs, Buddy and two puppies, mind you. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was a full motorhome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, there were the ups and downs, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, it brought the six of us closer than we have ever been, you know, during the isolation of COVID, you know, each of us, you know, we retreated to our room essentially, right? Like I, I was in my office, my wife was, you know, either in uh, the living room downstairs or in our bedroom, the kids were in their rooms and it was, that was it until it was lunch or dinner. And then we'd try to find something to do, but it, you know, you just, you're isolated, you're in your own space. And so we all converge into one space together. And it's interesting. It gives you a different perspective on you know, being able to see Noah process something, you know, when he, you know, makes a poor choice and we have to discipline him, it's not, hey, let's go to timeout in your room. It's, hey, we're going to have meditation time or we're going to have timeout right here. And you you physically get to see him process every single bit of him going from, I'm, I made a bad choice, I'm being disciplined to it towards, okay, here, how, how can I make a better choice? And also force them to play together so much better. It was awesome. So, but lots of benefits. Yes. And so that leads in nicely to what did you love about living the nomad lifestyle? Every moment is a memory. Every moment, good or bad, every moment is a memory and it's in a new space, right? When you're at home, you almost become numb to the memories. At least I do. I'll use I language. You take things for granted. Oh, it's another dinner. You know, oh, we're going to play a video game or a board game again. Oh, we're going to go walk you know, the dogs or take them to the dog park or go around the park. It's, it's, you're out of your environment. So every moment is a memory, you know, okay, are we going to eat inside today? Are we going to go have a picnic in the woods somewhere? Every moment is a memory. And I think that was my favorite part of it. I couldn't take photos fast. I actually had to set rules up for not taking as many photos because it took me out of the moment, but every moment is an actual memorable moment that I would want to relive over and over and over again the good and the bad. Yeah. I think that's what's so powerful about traveling is when you're not in your normal space and it's not that you don't appreciate it, but there's something that I think just gives you a, a higher level of awareness of what you're experiencing because everything's sort of stimulated on a different level, um, which I love that. So how did this experience change you or how do you feel like it shifted your um, perspective? Did you gain clarity on your values. It, it changed me in two ways. So you, you opened this podcast asking me, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story. And I hated telling people about my story. I hated telling people, you know, I grew up poor and that I was homeless and I've had all this adversity throughout my life. I hated telling my story. And something about traveling brought me closer to myself. It helped me connect more with myself to the point where, I, you know, even a year ago, I wouldn't imagine sitting down with you and going, hey, you know, world, whoever is going to hear this whenever, you know, I was homeless one day. And yeah, you know, like that, you know, it, it, it made me confront the shame a little bit differently because, you know, for the first time, oh, which is sad in my adult life, I had a lot more alone time. You know, I've got some really good routines where, you know, I meditate in the morning, but it's it's a part of my it's a part of my routine through the day where you're out in the woods, you know, you, you have this sporadic hike, it's all stripped down and you're forced into new environments and you're forced to confront yourself. You, it, it, 
it changed me in that sense. It helped me grow closer to myself. It helped me have more appreciation for myself, more love for myself. And then it also helped me have more grace and patience for my family. Because again, like instead of, you know, you have a disagreement with your wife and then you go into your separate corners and then you come back, you're there the entire time with them. So you, you work through it, you see, you know, okay, I'm gonna go to this side of the trailer and you're gonna be over here, you know, and, you're forced to work through it in a different way than we ever have. And so it improved communication for us as well as a family. It helped us grow closer together as a family. And then, you know, the last thing that I can just think of in my head, it helped me confront my perfectionism because yeah, you have an idea. Yeah. You have a plan, but that plan changes in a moment and you just have to be flexible, especially COVID especially COVID because you had, you know, not only do you have a plan and that plan fails, then you have to figure out a, a COVID appropriate plan, a COVID appropriate backup plan. And it helped me let go of more things. I find myself just letting go of more, you know, a screw will fall and you're like, oh, you know, just gotta let that go. It'll get fixed when it gets fixed. Um, you know, just, you know, you, you go, you end up on one road, it's too rutted, you can't get the RV up, you've gotta go a different way. And that's just a part of the experience. And so I think it's really matured me in terms of the way that I connect with myself, the way that I connect with others, and then also the my ability to work through and wrestle with my perfection. Yeah, I can super relate. I am like queen planner. I love a plan. I love a spreadsheet. I love a calendar. Um, and I have, you know, I, I struggle with perfectionism and traveling is the one thing that's just like, nope, nothing yes. is in your control. Like mm -hmm. if you ever want to realize that, like traveling just kind of smacks you in the face with it because there's so many variables that you can't control. And I, I similarly, like it's really the biggest part of my life that's helped push me out of that, like trying to control. Not to say that having a plan doesn't help when you're traveling, but it's just the flexibility part comes in. For yeah. Sure. Don't abandon the plan, but you know, don't be so rigid to it where you're not enjoying life. Right. Right. And then you realize how much joy and fun you can have when you're just in the moment and you're just appreciating right. the craziness maybe that's going around you. I also, I can relate to what you're saying. I grew up for about the first 10 years of my life, pretty, pretty poor. Didn't, didn't have a lot. Single mom lived with my, my grandmother. You know, my dad was like in and out of prison and that's not a side of my story that I like to share necessarily. I think there's mm -hmm. been a lot, a lot of time spent just keeping it under wraps because yeah. the people in my life, they wouldn't really relate, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you work hard and you achieve these things in your um, education and your career. And it just seems like so far mm -hmm. removed. Um, but I know that talking to other people and hearing their stories, you know, through this podcast has really helped because your story is a lot of people's right. story. And I, I just think it's a great way to connect. And like I heard you say that, you know, it does help kind of pull back that layer of shame, which I think is often yeah. there. Yeah. Because it is not like the quote unquote norm for a lot of mm -hmm. people, but then for other people it is. So it's just, it's interesting how much like growth can come through pushing ourselves to have these experiences. It grounds you. And you know, it's funny because I was even censoring myself until you went all in because my dad was also in and out of prison as well. And so it's like, had you not said that, I would have never brought that up. And I think that's what's so important and so meaningful about like, you know, when you think about the idea of like, oh, stories by the campfire, that's what 
something that only travel can provide you, you know, that opportunity to go connect with a complete stranger and get to know that stranger for who they are, stripped down from all the distractions of the typical world. It, it kind of neutralizes the playing field. You know, this very much feels like a conversation that, you know, if I bumped into you at the, you know, walking into the bathroom at a resort somehow, you know, you, you just stumble into these conversations and you're like, wow, like you're just like me. And that that's really cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It removes the isolation. Right. I was listening to this interview with actually two of my favorite podcasters. Um, Brene Brown oh, was interviewing um, Guy Raz yeah. from How I Built This. Yes. And uh, it was like my dream uh, interview to listen to. <laughs> um, but he said, and I don't know if this is his saying, but, um, you know, he said, you don't know someone until you know their story. Mm-hmm. And I, this, I think that's so true um, because we tend to make a lot of assumptions about what people have or haven't experienced, but unless you know their full story, you know, you're not really getting like the, who they are and the, and the essence. And we all have stories to tell. So um, I think that interchange of, of our stories is really, really important Yeah, uh, just to help us all feel connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so. and, and that's another thing. I felt connected to people more than I had ever by traveling, you know, because you're out at the dump site and someone's like, oh, hey, you left that off. And, you know, you exchange numbers and then somehow you run into each other, you know, 700 miles away. You know, it's this weird this I don't know. It's this weird connected energy that happens when you travel. Yeah, I think when you put yourself out there, literally, like when you're (laughs) actually moving more in the world, it's like you have these opportunities to have these experiences with people. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what were some of your favorite like cities or landmarks or just places that you visited and thought, oh, this is a really awesome place? Okay, so the first thing that stands out for me is GRANDE, so Grande RV Resort in Hot Springs, right over the border in Oregon. Amazing. So it's like 35 sites. They have the cabins closed, but it's it has a natural hot spring pool right attached directly to the RV resort. And it was wow. an oasis for us because it was so cold coming over the resort or coming over the pass. You know, we had just left uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, and so it was a little chilly. It was still chilly in Oregon. However, being able to go soak your bones, this was week four into the trip for us to just soak and then walk right to your coach was incredible. And this is $45 a night, $45 a night. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Worth it. Worth every penny. So worth it. So number one, I know that sounds so odd, you know, just in the middle of nowhere, hot springs with an RV resort. It was incredible. And that's the thing about trap. And we didn't plan that, by the way. That was something that we said, okay, well, what's halfway between? And we had four or five sites that we thought we'd go to. This just so happened to be the one that wasn't full. So it's that delightful surprise that was the highlight of our trip. And we called grandma the next day and we're all in the pool. It was incredible. The next thing that I think stands out for me is also in Oregon. I must have an affinity to Oregon, I guess, for this trip. (laughs) But it's called Shampooey State Park. And I will never be able to actually spell it because it has an E and a G, maybe two G's in it. Um, But it was incredible because they had this amphitheater for the kids to play in. They had all these wooden parks. It was the first place that we could go to where the park was open. They had tens of miles of bike trails. They had a a Frisbee disc golf course. It was 30 miles south of, or 45, uh, 30 miles south of Portland, I would say. And it was close enough to Portland, but close enough to wilderness as well. And you, you felt like you were just 
I don't know, in a space of your own, surrounded by these incredible farms. So we went to, we went and picked berries. We went and um, this was around October time. So we went to this pumpkin patch. It was incredible. And we had no idea that this is, you know, we knew where the park was. We knew we had reservations there, but we had no idea what was around it. And as we were exploring and driving in, it was incredible. I, I saw a broccoli farm for the first time, which was really cool. It was fun for the kids to see. There were some wineries, such a delightful experience. And then the last thing that I think would st- stood out for me was going through Big Sur on the 101. Oh my gosh, just being on the coast, driving, seeing, you know, I, I felt like I went back in time and just went to some prehistoric age uh, and just, I, I don't know, it was awesome. It was so cool seeing Big Sur from an RV driving. It was like this juxtaposition of this big RV shouldn't be on this little road right next to <laughs> twisty the road. twisty road. And then, you know, you look down and there's literally a hundred foot cliff that you're, you know, it's you, the median, and that's it. That was yeah. a really surreal experience. Uh, pro tip, do not get gas in Big Sur. It is ridiculous. There's one gas station in Big Sur. It's $6 a gallon. I made the mistake of filling up there. It was awful. Don't do it before, do it after. <laughs> yeah. So I live about uh, hour 20 north of Big Sur. Uh-huh. Uh, so everyone listening, there's a gas station right before you leave Carmel. <laughs> it's <Yes>. like... <laughs> that up before you actually go any further because yes daryl's right it's too so expensive oh, that's our public service announcement for yes yes saving tens of dollars t- hundreds of dollars actually for people yeah <laughs> what's funny about your or what's interesting about your exam your first two examples is um like i could feel the sense of like discovery mm-hmm. um you know it sounds like those were places that stood out to you, but like, you didn't know that they mm-hmm. um, were there, you know, you didn't plan to go there. And just reminding me of like, oh, that's like the best part of getting out there and traveling to is like that discovery. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and then I have another tip from the okay. tips. Sorry. I, I just, it just yes. came through my head. You need them. Bring your bikes, travel by bike. Oh my goodness. Travel by bike because you know, you're not going over 17 miles per hour. You're going like 10 miles per hour with the kids. You can look around, Bring your bike. It's the best way to, to visit anywhere. Um, yeah, bring your bike. Travel by bike. <laughs> That's a great tip because I know like if you go to Yosemite, um, bringing bikes is like one of the best ways mm-hmm. to like tool around the valley. Yep. And yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, so after traveling around, um, I guess the Western part of the the country, did it change your overall impression of the U.S., that part of the U.S., or people or places? I don't know. So I've traveled a lot. So I was usually on the road three-ish weeks of a month. And it usually was, you know, going to a conference center or going to, you know, some client's office or, you know, going to another office. And when we traveled as a family, you do, we did the typical tourist thing, you know, where you stay at a resort or you stay at a hotel, uh, camping, you know, we got our toe behind last year, or pull behind trailer last year. So this idea of camping in this nature was new to us. 
you know, of course we've done tent camping, but you know, that's somewhere close here. It's familiar. You know, you bring the tent up, you do that whole thing. We weren't, we weren't big outdoors people before this. And so when we would travel somewhere, we would travel to densely populated spaces and you do the tourist thing. And what this helped me realize and I know this is going to go, well, of course, Daryl, that's really obvious, but it helped me realize the other side of a city when you're, when you're, you're basically camping in that city because the resort isn't going to be in the city. It's not going to be, you know, right downtown. And so it's taking you out and it's putting you into a community or it's putting you outside the city right away. So number one, you're interacting with different people, right? I would never have went to Auburn, Washington ever. I had no, no need to go to Auburn, Washington until we were staying there. And it gives you a different sense. You feel more like a local when you're, you know, driving from your campsite and you want to go catch a ferry. You're driving there just like a local one. So you experience right. a city more as if you live in that city versus being a guest into that city. And when you're doing that, it it almost opens your horizon a little bit and broadens the way that you can talk about conversations and people love it when you're like, Oh yeah, I'm staying at this hotel. I feel like people are like closed off to that. When you say, Oh yeah, I'm camping down in Auburn. They're like, Oh wait, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Mm -hmm. or, you know, so it's almost like they see you as, as a temporary local versus, Oh, you're just, you're treading into my space. Yeah. You're, 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 um, you're contributing to tourism, but you're going to come here and you're going to leave. I think when they, when we talk to people that, saw us as, oh, we're making this a home for a little bit, rather that be a week, and we plan on coming back and we want to see these new things, people were much more open to us, you know? And it yeah. allowed me to get closer to people as well. Right. Like, instead of like, oh, you're just touching down in this hotel, um, you're actually going to be in the community more. Mm -hmm. um, I totally get that. I think that's why I like to like stay in Airbnbs more than like resorts mm -hmm. typically, because I feel like I want that essence of what would it be like to live here and be in someone else's shoes yeah. or live someone else's life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's a great, um, I'm sure that's, that enhanced your experience a lot more than. I don't think we'll do a hotel. I mean, I say that, you know, but it'll, I mean, hotels are nice too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I think we'll do Airbnb like that. Cause you nailed it. It's a different experience altogether. It's incredible. Yeah. I feel like it does. If you're looking for like real true connection, it just helps facilitate that a lot, a lot easier. Um, and so do you feel like the RV travel community as a whole is inclusive? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> but no, with the, not with the answer that you would expect to hear from, you know, an African-American man, you know, of course it's easy to go. Yeah. Well, it's not inclusive because I don't see a lot of black people there. Well, okay. There's just, there's not a lot of, we're a minority here anyways. I think the biggest, the biggest issue with the RV community specifically is the age demographic. We're seeing a much older population that are embracing, you know, your tr your traditional RVs, go to the resort, do that whole thing. I think it has more to do with age than it does have to do with race. Of course, race is an easy thing to go to because it's where you can see the most differences um, because it's you can instantly see it. But, you know, I, I think about this place that we stayed in Palm Springs and it was incredible. It was it, Oh man, it was incredible. We went to Joshua Tree and this resort, it had five pools into it, it had tennis courts, but the average age there, I'm not joking, was mid seventies. 
and oh. we, we were the youngest couple and it was amazing because every we felt like we had a hundred grandma and grandpas you know for the kids they'd come they'd offer like they'd offer to hey do you want no is one no want to go and on drive in the car and things like that and their reaction to me made me realize that they don't see a lot of young people here you know people that are you know early and mid mid stage in their lives especially people with kids and then on top of that people of color you know you know we're in a i have a biracial relationship interracial relationship and so you know you have you know me as a black man my wife is uh you know uh, caucasian and then our kids are this blend between it so it's like not only are we young but then we're you know this blended our mixed family and it was it was a fun experience and it just made me realize there needs to be more fam and that's a big piece of the documentation piece of it as well as there aren't a lot of mixed couples that are doing this type of thing not let alone young but mixed minority type couples that are doing it uh, in the RV sense. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people that are converting vans and doing, you know, the nomad thing. We liked the resort side more than we were like, oh yeah, we're going to go boondock for a week. We did some of that, but it was mostly about let's go to a resort. Let's go visit a city. And that's where we saw the biggest difference in demographics is it's a lot of older people. They're retired. And so if you're middle life, early life, and you're listening to this, the RV resorts are incredible because it's a different way to experience a city. You have your, your, you have your home there and then you've got, I don't know, you got this pool here, a tennis court here, you have meals, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like you're staying at a hotel, but you're connected to a bigger, greater community. I think that's the biggest difference. And the biggest challenge that I see is, is just the age. And I feel like it's because people think that RVing requires you to go sell your house and it requires you to do this extreme thing. And it, it doesn't, you know, we were talking about converting a bus or, you know, doing something different. We ended up not because we didn't want to do the work. We wanted to just go, but it can be very approachable and it can be a very fun community. You just have to go out and do it and do it and have fun. So how would you, I mean, other than telling all your friends to go out and do it, I mean, how, how do you think it could like the RV community can attract younger families? Yeah. So the RV resort that we had in uh, Palm Springs was completely different than an RV resort that we experienced in, oh, I forgot to tell you about another leg of our trip. We did, we did a, like a pre a test trip, which I should probably okay. give as a tip as well. Uh, yeah. We did a two week test trip. And during our test trip, there was this resort uh, in, I want to say Midwest South that we went to and people were just standoffish. They were rude. It kind of ruined, ruined the, the few days that we were there. Kind of, you know, mm -hmm. everyone was to themselves. They didn't want to even make eye contact with you. If the dogs mm -hmm. made a little bark, you know, you have people giving you glaring eyes, you know. So, you know, if you're in the RVU community, and I, I doubt any of the people listening to this are actually in the demographic that I would be speaking to to say this to. But if you're, it, it works all the way around. Be inviting, be welcoming, be helpful, you know, ask someone, hey, you know, I know, you know, if you see something, point it out, hey, you know, I noticed that your trash is on the ground, 
just so you know, the raccoons may get into that. You may want to tie that up or you may want to, you know, just be helpful. Be willing to invite yourself uh, and, and be willing to introduce yourself to your neighbor. You know, that is what the experience that Palm Springs gave us that other resorts wouldn't. And I think that's the biggest way to get people to approach it is it's not going to start from the outside in. It's going to start from the inside out. And then people will, t- you know, tell people about the experience. Oh, man, when I was in you know, Palm Springs, I went to this resort, the people were so nice, it was so great, you should just go try it. Next time you're doing Coachella, maybe this is a great way to do it because we loved it right. so much. And that's how it'll share, it'll spread by stories, but they have to be positive stories because if they're not, I'll just go get a hotel for the same price. <laughs> right, right, yeah, why would you pay the same price to not feel like you're welcome somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> right, so be welcoming. Even if you're having the worst day, just smile at someone because that, that, that could be their very first time at at a resort period and you can ruin it with a glance. Yeah. Yeah. Just have that idea of, you know, everyone is here to have, you know, to enjoy themselves and like, how can we all do that together? (laughs) (laughs) Make it all a positive experience. Yeah. So hopefully we'll start spreading the word and get people (laughs) uh, to, to know about that. So I wanted to um, end with the question that I, I ask all my guests yeah. and it's to, well, it's not a question. Uh, it's a request um, for you to tell me about a travel experience that brought you joy. Cool. Yeah. So I've been listening to your podcast for the, you know, of the last five episodes. So congratulations on this is, this will be, tw- I don't know. What episode is this? Do you think? Um, I think it's like 17, 18. Okay, cool. I should so, know. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's okay. I also do a podcast and I never know what episode it is either. So that's okay. But I remember when you hit your 10th milestone and, you know, I, I heard the excitement when you were on that podcast. And that's when I started paying attention to this joy question. I was like, okay, I know she's going to ask me that. So I need to make sure that I'm prepared for <laughs> you it. You did your research. <laughs> I did my I research. Like <laughs> and um, there was one thing that stood out to me the most and it's something that I actually posted recently is when we were driving down into Malibu there was this resort that we were staying at in Malibu and we were driving from um where were we at before that we were driving from Santa Barbara down to Malibu and we took the 101 and it was it was becoming sunset and there was just all these great beaches and I was in our tow behind uh car I was driving at the time and it was me and my daughter and we were just talking the whole time and we came across this beach. I don't know the name of the beach. I should know. And she said, let's pull over, Dad. Let's watch the sunset. And it was like, oh, without a doubt, we're going to do this, you know? And, you know, to the point where I even text my wife, like, hey, we're pulling over and doing this. You know, I left the phone in the car and we just, you know, we took our shoes off and we just went and ran into the sand. And I grabbed my camera on the tripod and like, you know, let's, let's document this because one, sporadic moments like that didn't happen a lot you know, when I'm in my office or, you know, I get home from a flight on Friday and I'm just tired. And then, you know, you're recovering in the weekend. Those just sporadic moments of connection with my daughter didn't happen a lot. And, you know, they're here and there, but this really stood out for me because it was a special moment. Just, just the two of us, you know, we watched the sunset. There was a lifeguard that was also watching the sunset. There was people running and we just danced and we sat in the water and she found a sunflower. It was just one of those moments where you couldn't be anywhere else if you want, if, if you tried, you're fully present. And you know, that's another thing that I'm working on is becoming more present. And that moment, it brought me so much joy, so much presence and so much connection to 
uh, my daughter. It's something I'll remember forever. That's really beautiful. And you know, something's a joyous moment when the person you're telling is like, can feel the joy too, you know, like can just completely envision that, you know, moment of, you know, you enjoying the sunset playing with your daughter. That's mm-hmm. really beautiful. I could have died right there and said, yeah. I live, you, you been know, happy. been happy, yeah. done. I mean, she would have probably been sad, but I, you know, that was one of those things where. <laughs> I ruined the moment, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sign off on life. We're good at this moment. And, you know, now that I'm thinking back to it, it puts you in this space where you want to chase more moments like that. And that's why I think traveling can be so addictive because mm-hmm. you get this moment and you're like, oh, I want more moments like that. More yeah. moments where people haven't experienced something, more moments where I'm connected to mind, body, and soul. You only get that traveling. And I think that's yeah. why it's so addictive. I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, so where can people find out more about you? There's a few places. I think Instagram, number one, uh, it's uh, Daryl Kelly underscore. So I'm also a CEO of a freelancing uh, productivity tool for people that are getting started, middle of their road freelancing, or they're you know thriving as a freelancer and they want more organization. So we started this company mid-traveling because I love photo- the photography business but hated the rest of it. And so I have a podcast that I'd also, you know, love to, and I think you're going to be on it, aren't you? We're going to have another conversation. I'd love to have another conversation with <laughs> I'm you. I'm going to get you on it. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, but but the, the, the podcast is called The Hectic Podcast, and we talk with other freelancers, a lot of people that are traveling as well, and they're sharing their tips of how they work on the road or how they've started their career freelancing, rather that be photography, writing, developing. And so there's a really cool place for that. Great. And actually, can you just summarize the hectic app real quick? Because I think our audience would actually be interested in in that, you know, there's a community of travelers and people who um, live that not necessarily the corporate nine to five, but make the their work lives work for their their traveling, which I think can be done a lot through freelance. So Hectic is this single digital workspace with all the tools, again, like needed to manage, start and grow a freelancing business, all built into one space with a community, right? Community is really big and experts that are built right in. So, you know, we've got this idea that Hectic is all about changing the future of work and making it easy, just as easy to work for yourself as it would be to work for someone else. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Explorer and You podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.